the gospel lesson this morning comes to us from the good news according to St. Matthew, third chapter. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the river Jordan to John in order to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you. Do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, let it be so now. For thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened up to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. This is the Gospel of our Lord. What's wrong with you? Why do you always screw things up? Will you ever learn? I'm just really, really disappointed, that's all. Hey, maybe you're just not cut out for this. I'm not sure you have what it takes to make it here. Okay, here's one more chance. Try harder this time, make sure you earn it. You just, I can't even with you. Maybe we're not meant to be together after all. Whoa, it looks like someone really laid into the holiday treats. Did you leave any cookies for Santa? I mean, what makes you think anyone's going to want to be a part of that? You can be such a jerk. You're so controlling. You think you're so special. You didn't protect me. You only think of yourself. You're a hypocrite, a poser, a fraud, a wannabe, a loser. Uh, You're one of those woke social justice warrior, liberal elite city idiots. Yeah? You're one of those backward, racist, redneck, cop-loving, gun-toting insurrectionists. You're too black. You're too white. You're too short. You're too wide. You're not from here. You don't belong here. I don't even like you. In fact, I hate you. Everyone hates you. No one's ever going to love you. Yeah, I'm so stupid. I'm so weak. I do the same thing over and over again. I'm trapped in a prison of my own making. I don't think I am cut out for this. I'll never change. I'm not worth it. I hate myself sometimes. Maybe they're all right. Maybe no one loves me, and I deserve it. These are the voices we hear nearly every day, sometimes throughout the day. These are the voices of parents, And of children. 
of teachers and students. They're the voices of the news media, of entertainment, of advertising industries. The voices of our family members and friends, our bosses, coworkers, and strangers. They are, importantly, the voices inside our own heads. Now, if you're feeling somewhat up for the challenge, then these are the voices you use to motivate yourself. Use them to motivate yourself to overcome and to, as Brian and I saw in a restaurant this week, to turn from a warrior into a warrior. You know, all these little, these little uh, bumper stickers we put to try to change and be our best self and overcome the haters and the doubters and show them. And so we use these voices to motivate us in our schemes of improvement, like New Year's resolutions. Or alternately, we use them to justify giving in to our despair. Right? The dress that doesn't fit anymore can be motivation to diet, or it can be motivation to devour the cake for comfort. The point is that these voices affect us. They change us, they haunt, and sometimes propel us, but mostly they hurt us. Because they are not the voices of love. You heard that passage from Isaiah, that the voice of the Messiah who would come would not scream out and shout, He would come quietly and whisper, and he would not take a bruised reed and break it, or put out a wick that was burning down. And these voices bruise us, and they burn us out. Words matter. Tone of voice matters. Context matters. The author of the speech, the one saying the thing, matters. Because relationships matter. As I said last week, and as all the social scientists, go read any article about this right now. The true secret to happiness and contentment in life has almost everything to do with our relationships. Not our finances, our careers, where we live, but know the depth and quality and connection of our relationships. And so relationships matter, and we use words a lot in relationships, most of us, and with most of our relationships. Our relationship with ourself matters, what you tell yourself over and over again inside your head, what you think, what you plan on, what you hope for. Your relationship and words with others matters deeply to your well-being. And your relationship with God and the words that you exchange with him matters. Today is the first Sunday in Epiphany. Epiphany is a season for multiple weeks, as Brian mentioned, where we hear, we see, hear, and see God reveal himself. You know, on our end, we have an epiphany, but on the other end, it's to give an epiphany. It's just to reveal, to, to let someone in on a secret, to show something, to manifest something. And so in the season of Epiphany, God increasingly reveals himself to us. He shares himself with us. He tells us, what he thinks about us. He gives us his words and his actions, shows us his character, his tone of voice, the nature of our relationship with him. It's to reveal more and more of God to us. And see, we are made in God's image. That's the first thing we hear about human beings, that he made us just like himself. And then later he came as celebrated at Christmas. He sent his son Jesus to actually take on our full human nature and our flesh to be with us and to show us how to live. 
And so as we begin a new year, what are you hoping to see revealed in your own life this year? Some of you made resolutions. Some of you don't make resolutions anymore. You just make intentions. And some of you pretend not to have any, but you still hope to change in some way this year. What are you hoping to see revealed in your life? What good new thing or person or accomplishment or insight or aspect of yourself are you hoping to have revealed and made manifest to you and to others? You might use the word mission. Businesses use this now. Christians have used it for a long time. What's your personal mission this year? And you can think, as you naturally do, as an individual, but also as a community. What is the mission this year in the communities of which you're involved, including this one? And importantly, what motivates your mission? How much of it is fueled internally or externally by these toxic, broken voices? Just keep you hustling and churning to prove that you matter. I want you to hear two things this morning as we unpack them and look at the text again. And that is that if we are to actually flourish, to truly flourish as we are meant to be, to be fully alive human beings, and St. Irenaeus said the glory of God is a human being fully alive. If we are going to be fully alive as he has designed us to be, we need two things. To flourish, we need a deep and lasting mission that matters. We need to know we're on a mission that matters and that we matter to the mission, that we have purpose. And second, to prosper in this mission, to flourish as a human being, we need to know, and not just intellectually, deep down in our bones, in our hearts, in our bodies, we need to know who we truly are. And we need the voice of God to tell us these things. So first, let's hear the voice of the gospel again. We'll pick it up in two parts. To flourish, we need a mission that matters. Here's Jesus at the beginning of the gospel of Matthew. The first really public thing he's done. We've heard about his genealogy. We've heard about John the Baptist and what he's doing. And all of a sudden, Jesus came up from Galilee to the Jordan to his cousin John in order to be baptized by him. That's what you think it is if you have been a churchgoer. They're going down to a river. They're going to dunk them down in the water and then put the water all over them and it's going to swallow over them and then you're going to lift back up again. He comes to be baptized, but John tried to stop him and say, what are you doing? You're the Holy One of God. This is a sign of repentance. This is a sign of humility. This is a sign of going down into death, of saying you're dirty. I need to be washed in order that I can be cleansed and be in God's presence. I need to be baptized by you. Why do you come to me? Jesus said, let it be now. This is right. It's good. It's good for us to fulfill all the right things, to do all the right things, the things that we're called to do. And so John consented. To understand this, you have to understand that what Jesus is doing, the one who knew no sin, the one who did not, in fact, as the first human being in the history of the world, need to be washed, came to identify with you and with me in all of our brokenness, in all of our bruises, in all of our violent speech and vitriol and hurt, our being wounded, our wounded others, he came to be with us all the way, to fulfill all righteousness. And humanity needed to be humbled, to be healed. And so he comes to be baptized. We'll hear more about what happens in a moment. 
But notice this is his purpose. Jesus' mission is to come and be with us, even in the worst things. The first thing that's going to happen when this passage is over, you can flip it if you have a Bible to Matthew 4. The Spirit drives him out into the wilderness to meet all of our temptations, all of our sin, all the things we've done to ruin this world. He goes to conquer where we fail. And then he starts preaching. He goes to heal and demonstrate the kingdom. This is the beginning of his mission, and he was baptized at the beginning of it. Our sense of purpose and our mission, we will know that everything we do can have a purpose, can be a part of mission, if we know it's attached to God's story. That the Israelites watching this, they know that they're out there because they're weak, they're humble, and they know they need to ask for forgiveness and they need to be cleansed. And God is identifying his own story with them in that moment. In their failure, he's identifying with them. See, there's been this long line of prophets. The prophets had told people to repent, and that means to live out God's story and their, all their stories. That there was a kingdom coming, and they wanted to make their life individually and as a people, communally, represent the life of God. But to do that, they had to start over. They had to say, we've gotten it wrong. We have to say we're sorry. And so he washed them. He did this throughout the Old Testament. You see, creation is brought out of water. When everything goes all to pretty much to hell, he sends a flood, and they pass through water to start over. And then he gave them washings, and that's what the word baptisms mean, the old Greek word baptismois is just washings. They're throughout the whole Old Testament. Every time you came to worship, you would wash. You see this in churches all over the place. Now they still leave water by the door as a reminder to get washed, to come into God's presence, that we constantly have God identifying with us in our weakness and frailty, but also to give us purpose. To give us purpose to know that in everything we do is frail, and even when we fail, that it happens in the context of a God who has identified with us through baptism in our need. And what this means is that your whole life can have significance. Ordinary things like water have significance. Dirt has significance. The willingness to be washed has significance. God was sending his church out later by spirit and word and water. That's how you make disciples, to baptize them in the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything I've commanded you, and we will be with you to the end of the earth by the Spirit. This is what mission means. And if you have not been baptized this morning, that's the first thing to consider, to hear this good news and say, how can I belong? Well, there is no wall. There is no barrier. There is nothing to keep you out. There is no amount of moral righteousness that you need to attain or intellectual assent. What you need to do is to humble yourself and to be washed by God through a baptism. Receive the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and you will now belong to his people fully. It's how we're immersed in his story. But baptism, for those of you who have been baptized, It's here to remind you every time you walk past the water, every time you see a baptism, to remind that everything that we do takes place as baptized people, that God's story has come into the places that we walk, that we talk, that we live. 
he immerses our world from ordinariness into his redemption. Meaning that every small thing you do has significance. Every little word or or refraining from speech or act of service or presence or healing, that it matters. Because through baptism, it is attached to God's story of redemption. His spirit has, the heaven has been opened. He's come down and he rests upon those who are baptized. And that was in 16 again. Heavens were opened to him. The spirit rested on him. I'm going to read that again in a minute. But what it means is that Jesus, who is full God, has become fully human being with us. We are filled in him. He gets to have the full and final word over who you are, of what your actual purpose is. And the good news, he attaches promises to your purpose. That he promises that whatever he is doing will never fail, and that if you are in him, he will never fail you. And so your purpose to be a part of his mission in this world, no matter how many times you fail, fall on your face, no matter how many times you give into listening to these words of less than love, or you speak these words of less than love to other people, or you give yourself to activities trying to chase praise and prestige and power and pleasure, that here he is still saying, I have washed you. You belong to me. Do not listen to any other voice, no other promise of purpose or significance. That you are already in Christ. Don't be captivated by these voices. He's come all the way down to identify with you in your worst. You don't have to earn anything or hide anything to what you have or to who you are or to who you're becoming. His story of salvation of love and action is all around you. It precedes you. It waits for you. All you have to do is connect to it. It's telling us that God is the center of our story. He's meant to be. And baptism is the proof of it. And so your life does have a purpose. And it has a promise that this purpose will never fail. To belong to God. To be loved by him. And to share his love. You pass through a flood. You live under a fatherly voice of blessing. And you have a spirit that hovers over your every move empowering you. This is the promise of God's love through baptism. And so the challenge, if you are a baptized person, is to discern the voices. Sheep need to recognize the voice of the true shepherd. And so the question, I think, for you as an individual, but also as a community, is do we help one another? Do we help one another and our neighbors to truly be loved. If we are a baptized community, and we are, whose voice are we centering in the sanctuary? Whose voice are we centering in our formation groups, in our service projects, in our own heads, in our marriages, in our parenting? in our being children, in our being friends and colleagues or bosses and employees. Jesus came to identify with us. He is with us. It shows that he is more than just a sympathetic friend. He is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. That God is now identified with me and God the Father says this, 
to Jesus, the head of his new body, which is the church. That includes you when you were baptized and you receive the name Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God the Father says this over Jesus, his son, who knew no sin. He said, this is my beloved son. I'll back up and read again. When Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water. Behold, the heavens were opened. He saw the Spirit of God descend like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This, this is my beloved Son. Oh, man. In him I am super pleased. I am well pleased. When God the Father speaks from heaven, this is what he's saying. He says it again at the transfiguration, my beloved, transfiguration, my beloved son, listen to him. Baptism is like a wedding. If that's true, then once the wedding is over and you're married, the challenge is to hear and receive the voice of love. And the voice of God is the voice of love. I don't know the psychology of Jesus. I'm not sure that we ever will. I know he's fully God. I also know he's fully human. Did he need to hear these words from his father? Did the father think it appropriate to shout these out, these words out over Jesus so that all could hear? including Jesus and all those standing there, it seems that he did. This is my beloved son. I am deeply pleased in him. He said this to Jesus. To start his mission and then to be reminded every time in his mission, every time he healed, every time he was opposed, every time he was rejected, when he was finally tortured and put to death, he needed to remember That the voice of God, when it spoke for people to hear, said this, you right now and always are my beloved son. I am so pleased in you. And if Jesus was meant to hear it, certainly we need to hear it. As those he identified with that are bruised and burning out are very conversant with the voices of hate and hurt to hear the voice of love, to hear that Jesus, being one of us, needed to hear this. How much more do we need to hear that the Father is well-pleased with you and with me through failure and success, through steps forward and steps backwards, through loss and through gain? You are the beloved. Henry Nouwen, one of my favorite writers, puts it this way, I have called you by name. This is God talking to you. From the very beginning, you are mine and I am yours. You are my beloved. On you, my favor rests. I have molded you in the depths of the earth and knitted you together in your mother's womb. I have carved you in the palms of my hands and hidden you in the shadow of my embrace. I look at you with infinite tenderness and care for you with a care more intimate than that of a mother for her child. I have counted every hair on your head and guided you at every step. Wherever you go, I go with you. Wherever you rest, I keep watch. I will give you food that will satisfy all your hunger and drink that will quench all your thirst. I will not hide my face from you. 
You know me as your own, and I know you as my own. You belong to me. I am your father, your mother, your brother, your sister, your lover, your spouse. Yes, even your child. Wherever you are, I will be. Nothing will ever separate us. We are one. Friends, let this voice of love be your purpose. Let this be the mission that motivates you. To let this voice drown out the voices of hate. To plunge them under the water so that you can come up again for breath and see the voice of God, see the Spirit of God coming upon you and hear the voice of God saying, you are my beloved. With you I am well pleased. And do it throughout the day. Do it over and over again. The first thing I do when I wake up in the morning is splash cold water on my face and say, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Remind myself that I'm the beloved. When you take a shower, remind yourself you're the beloved. When you get a drink of water, remind yourself you're the beloved. When it rains, when it rains physical drops of water, and when it rains down on you voices that hurt and hate, that tell you all those terrible things I said and more at the start of this sermon, when you hear them from a friend or a spouse or a child or a parent, hear instead this, the voice of God saying, I'm your father, your mother, your brother, your sister, your lover, your spouse, and hear from my lips, you are the beloved. And even though I know it's a bit of a dad joke pun, I use it and I find it helpful. To be beloved is to remind yourself that you need to be loved. You need to let yourself be loved. It's not because you're good enough or smart enough or strong enough or disciplined enough. It's because God just loves you. He doesn't want his love to ever fail you. He wants you to have purpose and a hope. He wants you to be in a beloved community. And so let yourself be loved. This voice is sometimes quieter than the voices of the world and of your own head. I think that's partly what sin means. We don't hear the voice of God that is there. It says he doesn't raise his voice in the street screaming. That's what Isaiah said. But it is consistent. It is there whispering and reminding wherever you go to put his voice first. It's what created you in love. To let it be the faithful voice that speaks most regularly to you no matter what other voices speak to you. And to be that final voice that will lift you up at the last day and say, well done. Good and faithful service. Come into this kingdom that's been prepared for you because you are loved. This morning, hear the fatherly voice of love. Share that voice of love with one another. Be loved because you are the beloved. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.